Welcome into another edition of Through the Keyhole. As always, on Sunday nights, from here until eternity, we will be in your ears for your Monday drive to work, start your week off right, get your mind right, get everything focused on what's actually happening with Oklahoma football. And as always, I'm joined alongside Peyton Guthrie. Peyton, hey, how's, hey. Uh, how's the weekend? How was the last week? Hey, man, doing pretty good. Uh, had some time off to myself. I was able to get some get some stuff done. Had a, a pretty good Friday, pretty good Saturday. I was down in Fort Worth uh, watching some some of my friends play a Meta Zoo tournament. It's like a, a card tournament type thing. Your little Magic the Gathering type stuff. So I've got all of our nerd, nerd culture down if we really want to get into it. But it was a pretty good time down there. Well, I mean, I thought I had all the nerd, nerd culture figured out, so oh, I'm gonna no. have to get on my high. I'm gonna no get to go to my high horse, Matt Burton. <laughs> your Dukies win on Saturday, did they? They won, man. They're getting back on track. Beat Syracuse. You know, Syracuse got in that zone, and then like they always do, uh, they got down early and then didn't get out of the zone, and Duke just tore them to shreds. It was beautiful, beautiful to watch. Oh, good, good for you. Uh, Duke really needed to win some basketball games. They don't do that very often. They don't do that. It enough. is. It is through the keyhole. It's a Sunday night. It's one of the more interesting podcasts that I've had to prepare for because I had to dig deep, deeper than what we normally do to have to come, not come up with stuff to talk about, uh, but to find the things that will make you guys want to listen to us throughout the show. Uh, Peyton, what are we doing? What, or do we class is not important anymore team workouts none of that stuff is that stuff not important well none of that's well it's college football it's free agency right now but i, I do want to it's not on the show map but it wasn't on the show map at all but i do want to hijack the show just really quickly and talk about uh I, I cannot pronounce her name aoki lee i guess yeah K-State, 61 points 61, dropped 61 on top of oklahoma i mean i want to make sure just off the top it's hard to score 61 points in any college basketball game, let alone a women's college basketball game. Um, no disrespect there. Just there's, there's usually there's a little more, uh, it's a lower scoring games at time. Um, she had 61 points. Oklahoma as a team at 64 or 65, I believe. So I want to off the top, my, the top of the show, I want to take my hat off to, to Miss Lee in Manhattan, Kansas for just kicking the ever loving shit out of the Oklahoma Sooners um hopefully it doesn't happen again but congratulations new ncaa uh single game record is that right matt yeah that's right and and not so much everything you said and she didn't hit a three it was no all three. free throw lines and two pointers that's real basketball <laughs> real ball baby <laughs> uh but, but your... this is a different world like that she, did you see any of the videos of her today just some just like some little twitter highlights and stuff she so what is was happening massive. i was like what's happening she is massive. I, I assumed I would have heard her name before, but I guess I'd never heard it before until tonight. <laughs> and that's a, that's a cool part about college sports. I mean, someone can just pop up. Now, I'm sure, I'm sure she's extremely talented. I just don't follow women's basketball that much. But she literally was trending on Twitter, top, top page ESPN while playoff games were going on and stuff. I mean, that's, that's the beauty 
of college sports. I mean, you can just take over randomly out of the blue. So, I mean, again, hats off to Miss Lee, uh, Aoki, uh, however you say her name, I apologize. Uh, hopefully you're subscribing and listening to us. <laughs> well, for sure, which is kind of where I was, uh, where I was going next. We would definitely love, if you're listening to this show right now, go leave us a uh, review, rate us, subscribe to us. Do all that fun stuff. Get us in your ears immediately. And uh, we'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, Aoki Lee is doing that as well. Yeah, she had a fantastic day on Saturday. Oklahoma wins basketball. is still, I believe, tied atop of the Big 12. A uh, great turnaround from the Sherry Cole era to the Jenny Bronchick. I think I said that correct. Jenny Bronchick era at Oklahoma. So, uh, fantastic for Aoki Lee, and hopefully OU wins basketball can continue going. As I asked you right off the top, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I figured it would be would have a – I was going to say this on air this week. I was on with Chisholm Holland three times so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in Oklahoma City, and, like, I would have spent – I would have bet a lot of money every time I signed off the show on Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, Peyton, that I would wake up and come to the station and have something – from a quarterback uh, in some sort of fashion. And no, and as I jokingly said, I guess classes and workouts are no longer important because you're heading into week two and there's been not a word on an announcement, even like, oh, this is happening within 24 hours or this is coming down today or this is going down on Tuesday. Like not yeah. even a peep of anything like that. Well, it's been, well, I will say I've been hearing some stuff, uh, not this week, but like last week, it was like Monday it's happening. You know, then it was like, oh, now Tuesday it's happening. Now no one knows what's going on. He visits BYU, has a little photo shoot with his brother Diesel. By the way, <laughs> that's that's uh, Diesel Dart. Good, good on that. Good on those parents. That's what's his first awesome. name? That's a nickname. Uh, There's no way his first name's Diesel. What's nickname? his first name? Oh, I have no clue. He looked I'm like a he looked like a Daniel. At any point, <laughs> Daniel. At any point in time, I hope it's I hope it's Diesel. Uh, so, so pull, pull that up, man. <laughs> gotta get it. Gotta get, a, get that. Gotta, gotta get a first name. Is BYU in this, Peyton? I would assume. I think it's the same thing. Like I talked about uh, at one of our podcasts, like the Randy Moss situation. Never burn the bridges at the state school because you don't know where you may end up have to, having to play at. I mean, you, you just don't know. I mean, what if what happens if Ole Miss Archie Man tomorrow just commits to Ole Miss? All of a sudden, that doesn't seem as cool of a landing spot for a quarterback you know i mean it just you, you need to keep your options as open as possible i don't know i mean byu is probably putting some pressure on him hey we're going to big 12 we're doing this stuff you know we're a big time school just as much as other people are we've beaten all these pac 12 teams that you used to play against as well we'll play in that same area local you know close to home uh, you know, if they're putting a big a big push on his brother as well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know it's just for a photo shoot, but maybe his brother's a football player. I'm not that deep into it. But I'm just not really for sure on that stuff. Um, and as I, one of the latest episodes of The Solid Verbal, um, it was either Di, uh, Tan or, uh, Ty or Dan was saying it would be borderline idiotic for Dart to go to Oklahoma just because Ole Miss just has an opening. And OU already has Dylan Gabriel. He's like, you've got one free transfer. Transfer to where you'll start, especially if you're a quarterback. It doesn't make any sense to bet on yourself. Like, that's your second transfer. <laughs> you know, I'm betting on myself. The chips are down. I got to get out. You know, you know, I've proved myself and work hard. But 
uh, if you've got one free transfer, there does seem to be an idea that moving to going to Oklahoma would just be a mistake for him, uh, you know, career wise. Like if he ends up having to sit behind the Dylan Gabriel for one, maybe two years, I mean, then what, then what, what has he done? So I think there's, I think he's probably weighing out some of those decisions, kind of doing some game theory on that. I guess I'm just out of the point where, I mean, the plan right now is very obvious. You know, if you're recruiting Jackson Dart in your Oklahoma, it's we want Dylan Gabriel to have one year and move on, and then it's your job. And yeah. we've talked about this. I the Ole Miss, okay, bro, Nick Brobeck. I only know this name because I studied him and he was freaking good um, in 2020. Ole Miss left tackle, he's coming back, so that at least adds to it. But a lot, they're losing a lot of that offensive line. And if the guys that they're returning really struggled this year. Now, Ole Miss did lose their offensive line coach in April. That can have some side effects to it, including a, a derailing offensive line as the season went on at Ole Miss this season. But at the same time, you're in the SEC with an above-average offensive line. Don't really know the skill and talent that's going to be around you. It's going to be all new guys. Braylon Saunders gone. Humphrey uh, it's like DeMario or the number zero. He's gone. Uh, running back gone, I believe. I mean, they're, they're losing everybody. And so I understand the pitch from Oklahoma. And I think that the pathway to dart starting makes a lot of sense until you come back to the idea that Gabriel is going to be gone after one year. That's the only, that would be the only hiccup. If I'm dart and I'm weighing the pros and cons, you know, they probably talk to they, – they have NIL rep- representation, I would imagine. So they're in the agent world. They probably know what Dylan Gabriel's draft status or potential is right now, which is not as high as what people would lead you to believe. I don't know if he's the guy that would even have a draftable grade as it heads into the season just because of his injury from last year. So there's a lot of uncertainty, like, around that situation at quarterback at Oklahoma. At the same time – if Dylan Gabriel isn't that guy, right? If you're sitting here saying, oh, well, he isn't that good. Doesn't that lead you to the belief that you may start earlier at Oklahoma if you go in there and compete? Yeah, I mean, when I had the uh, UCF guy, um, Jeff Sharon on, he's got me thinking, maybe we have this all just mixed up in our heads. You know, we're chasing Dart, and he's, he's like – kind of pulling me over to the side in this, in this interview that I, I, I had with him on the Patreon uh, side of things, basically saying, you've got your guy, you know, don't, don't go chasing, you know, the carry on or TLC uh, luck that Matt and I, the Matt and I keep going on. Like, don't go chasing waterfalls here. I mean, yeah, you've got, you've got a Heisman potential dude with Jeff Levy with the athletes. Oh, you has there. I mean, if you're really worried about something, you know, get this dude, but, Gabriel's not a game manager. I mean, this is again coming from uh, a different perspective, different expectations from a football program and everything. But I mean, he had me hyped up. Like I'm sitting there listening to him, getting kind of like the hairs in the back of my neck, kind of standing up, going like, "Hey, damn, okay, maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm misreading this." You know, someone who hasn't seen Gabriel play every single snap, you know, listen to his press conferences and all that kind of stuff. It's like, man, maybe I'm just missing something here. Um, I mean, he's an easy kid to root for. I can yeah. say that from listening to some of the clips he does, the way he plays the game, a lot of people are going to fall in love with him um, with that. And I'm going to make this easy. Like, I'm trying to make this not complicated. He's Mm -hmm. not Baker Mayfield. I got to lay that loud out flat. We got to get that out of the way. It's not. 
But from but does the, he have? But does he have quality, just a little bit of Baker in him? He's got the 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 off the field mannerisms belief. He's just nowhere nearly as talented. And I think yeah. people are mixing both of those things. And it's like of this idea. Oh, he's got moxie and he's tough. Mm-hmm. And he understands he has got pretty good pocket presence and he's athletic enough to get out of situations, this and that. And then you go to the idea of you looked at Baker in 20, now 2015, a little bit different. But Baker didn't have to be the best player on his team in 15 and 16. He had two pretty good running backs, which we'll talk about at the very end of this podcast. Some pretty good skill talent around him at DD Westbrook and Sterling Shepard and Mark Andrews. Um, but Baker was just so his full in terms of a football IQ, timing, anticipation. And 17 was just unreal. It, it, it's one of the best quarterbacking seasons we've had in college football. Again, I just want to temper those expectations to your what you're saying here. There is if Gabriel is in and locked in and doesn't get phased by, I'm going to say this nicely, the monster that is Oklahoma football. If things go south for two straight weeks and the fan base is on your back, you don't falter to that. He's gonna care, he's gonna get people to get people to buy into him. Really easy, yeah. kind of like Caleb in a way, and yeah. he can speak to OU fans and do this and do that. We've said this on this podcast. I think we've all been pretty steadfast on this. If even if Dort comes in, Gabriel's my starter. Like the only way fans are butts about. So yeah. it's uh it's a fascinating. I I'm just in I. I understand we're in free agency. I under I I didn't go. I mean, let's just be real. I didn't go to school to play school either. I mean, I went, I went to school to send tweets out and have a platform. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I, I can't say anything about that, yeah. but I was thinking about it. It's just like, and a lot of people that are right, like your age, my age, even old, the older generation, they're saying this, page, it's like, man, if I missed this many team workouts in class, my parents would have been on my ass. Yeah. For a certain degree. I mean, um, my mom's a little bit different. I would go to her and say, hey, I don't feel good. She's all right, just stay home. Uh, I, I don't know how she wasn't in jail for truancy, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was ve- I'm, I was very, just when we're talking about weird high school stuff, I'm very, very good at taking tests. I'm very good at applying knowledge. So I was in honors program all through college and everything. But anytime I had to go to like a regular class, I struggled because it was like four papers a week and you know some shit like that. And I hated it. But all the honors classes were like, you've got two tests and that's your entire grade crushed those like i'm very sure. good at retaining retaining knowledge you know applying knowledge that way but you try to hold me down to like a pattern of behavior i just revolt like immediately i'm like don't tell me what to do <laughs> uh, so i have struggle with that like monotony part of it but walk me through some of this twitter stuff on william so i don't know anything at all act like i act like i'm just a crazy i'm just a crazy person who's never picked up an iphone before so carl Williams's car was being loaded onto a trailer <laughs> and the 2022 quarterbacks commits mom quote tweeted him. Walk me through what was happening there. So Caleb, people believe, okay, so let's go. Let's, I, I mean, I know the whole story. So Caleb Williams, people are of the opinion that he had a house. He had an apartment in yeah. the North side of town where the new uh, development is, where all those restaurants are at, UNP, where they're going to put the basketball court at. So a student, whoever it may be, saw his car and his license plate is QB1. That popped up. I saw it for the first time during the season. Um, 
fascinating. Still had this, the mass mega OU logo on it. It had all of his, I guess, stuff that was in his apartment packed up, loaded on the back of a trailer. You know, like for me, it's just like, if you've got all this money, just go, if he, if you're worried about the mileage on this vehicle, just go get a new one. You right? Like, yeah, like you got plenty of time, like spend a year, like whatever. I, I understand it. But so yes, that tweet was sent out, went crazy, went viral. Everybody saw it. Caleb Williams leaving town, which backs up with, um, we'll give him some credit because he's going to be on our Patreon this week. Eddie Radosevich's report that last Wednesday, OU basically said F off. We're good. We don't need you. Uh, yeah. We're done. Um, and then that was ensued two days later. So it makes a lot of sense and it adds up. Um, Nick Evers' mom quote tweeted the picture from the student, not Carl Williams' Twitter account. Carl Williams has a different Twitter account. Um, I believe his name's King's Kids on Twitter. But Monica Evers quote tweets it and says, Nick drives a truck. Um, I guess it wouldn't be a, essentially it wouldn't be a problem for him, which was a great dig. Like if you love social media, like that's really, really good. Now, will people on the Williams side probably take that personally? Absolutely. Um, from everything he, that I've he, gathered. Yeah, he's out the door, though, so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, remind me, after after that goes down, we need to have, like, a 10-minute fallout because I got some a phone call uh, for some work-related stuff over the weekend. I got some interesting insights. So uh, we'll dive into that whenever that time comes. But, yeah, it was uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, and... Yeah, I definitely said this right after it happened, Peyton. And I said, you know, f- for her sake, enjoy this moment because Oklahoma obviously picking up. We're going to dive into this later on. Some Krista Poles from Jackson Arnold, uh, quarterback from Denton Geyer. And maybe just bring her on staff. If she's got that spice, <laughs> just bring her on staff. Like Nick Evers brought you a new staff member. Like, congratulations. Yeah. That's a major. Yeah, throw her on recruiting. That's a major, major win. Okay, let's let's move forward just a little bit because it's on the same topic. Uh, Brent Venables with his first public speaking event at the Lloyd Noble Center on Saturday at halftime of the OU Baylor game. Spoke for four minutes. That's tough. Four minutes is tough. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I, I have some friends who do improv and, you know, a tight five, tight fives. I mean, that takes like a year to get figured out. <laughs> I mean, talking four minutes straight. I mean, that's, that's tough stuff. I mean, reading through the excerpts and stuff, it does seem like, you know, hit your boilerplate stuff, but just grabbing a microphone. And like, I come from speech and drama. I've been on stage. I've had thousands of people look at me as I've done like the here lies poor Yorick, yada, yada, yada. And that's fine like when you're like performing, but when you just grab a microphone and have to like try to talk like a human, <laughs> that's tough stuff about sounding like an idiot. So uh, I don't think, I think he, I think he did pretty well. I mean, on, on it kind of went back to some like boilerplatey college football coach stuff. And if I was Brady, Brady, if you're listening to this, text me after this, after you hear this, I would say, uh, yikes dog. He gives a, he gives his little halftime speech and he immediately loses a Baylor. <laughs> that's, that's rough business there. Uh, but I think he did pretty okay. That's not I, the I first Oklahoma good. offense to get shut down by Baylor this season. No, not so, at all. Uh, I've, I've had this on the show map. I truly, my man, Mike Houck of Oklahoma, I know you listen and you read everybody and listen to everybody or have someone do it. I know you're listening to this. Give my man's a public speaking teacher, trainer. Got to do it. It's got to happen. Yeah. And that's not because he's bad. 
He was too much of a football guy during yes. that. Now, yeah. people love that. Like, don't get me wrong. The people that listen to that were like, hell yeah. Like, you hit, <laughs> he literally hit every point to jack up the crowd. He nailed. Best football program since 1999. You know, our standard is being the best. Like, instead of saying winning championships, blah, blah, blah. Like, everything he hit, uh, you know, relent, he mentioned the, you know, punishing defense again. Like, he hit yeah. everything he needed to hit during that speech. Perfect. You nailed it. It's the delivery and how you got there. Did you see the whole boomer thing where he like moved the mic away from him? It's got that down. So he didn't yell oh, into yeah. the mic. That was perfect. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, he, I love, it's, I will say it's authentic. And I said this immediately when Britt was hired, you can feel what he's talking about. Like when Lincoln was talking, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, you heard his speech at USC. You've heard some mm-hmm. of the things come out of the videos. It's just the same crap he's regurgitated over a lot. Um, I guess I should be careful about how deep I go in on USC these days, but um, <laughs> it's authentic. And I appreciate that about Brent Venables is that it's real. Like if I'm just saying, if yeah. this goes down in flames, Brent Venables will look in the mirror and he will be the first person that blames it on himself. And I think that's a completely different mindset from what the last regime was like. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff he was doing, like I said, there's the honesty part about it. And you're talking about maybe him needing it's like a professional speaking coach and everything. And that just comes with time, you know, learning how to speak. It's so hard. Like when I film people and stuff at my daily job at the, at the, the day job, and I, it's the worst advice I ever give anybody, but I always have to kind of give it to them. It's like, just act natural. You know, <laughs> that's impossible to do. Like no one knows how to do that. They have like, they have this idea of what that's supposed to be like. And the moment you get an idea of something, you've ruined it. Um, but he, he's from a wrestling perspective, the wrestling idea, he's just going for the cheap pops, you know, glad to be back in Norman tonight. Whoa. You know, he just, just hit all the highlights, get the crowd going and get out. You know, that's, that, that's all I want my, that's what that's in my mind. That's what a full head football coach should be doing. Um, at, um, at those basketball games, hit the high notes, get, get the hell out. There's one, there's an old, old one that Jim Trestle did when his introductory one, his was pretty damn good. If you need to go back and listen to that one, he talks about how, he talks about how proud it is to be a coach of Ohio state. And he talks about uh, all the stuff about how the students, the the lifeblood of everything. We need them all here. They're all here right now. He's like, and in 227 days, we're going to need you here so we can beat those kids up North and they just go crazy. Um, That special dynamic between Ohio state and Michigan Um, that if you could have had, twisted somehow get a texas suck thing in there that that would have been that would have been it to the top i'm not sure brent's that guy though like to publicly throw on the beat texas hat and you know i've got two words for you sure sure he accomplished he executed two things really well he didn't fake a southern accent true and he didn't and, and he did not lie or mention clemson he nailed all three things meant talking to Oklahoma fans. So uh, we'll give him some credit for that. We'll also give him some credit, Peyton, for going and bagging an assistant away from a G5, just like Oklahoma should do. Oklahoma last week goes and hires a special team coordinator that is not necessarily on staff as a special teams coordinator, but will be doing that role for Oklahoma. I thought the mm-hmm. wording and phrasing on how that got out was really, really interesting because i mean like i mentioned it from what it sounds like okay jay nunez from eastern michigan he's been there since i believe 2016 
he's from the state of Oklahoma. So a little bit of background on this. So Jay, you may have seen some of the lower tier Oklahoma kids like picking up Eastern Michigan offers over the last four or five years. That's because of this. Yes. And so Oklahoma's hiring him. He's from Alva. Uh, Shout out to my guys in Northwest Oklahoma. It's one of the best places in the state, even though there's not much out there. Um, Good hire. I, again, one, they have a guy that's done special teams on staff. Shout out Connor McQueen, um, not Connor McQueen, a uh, guy who got, he got elevated to work with on staff at the out during the Alamo bowl. I'm mistaking his name. So, oh, sorry. Ryan Doherty was on staff. He was in a support staff role. He was kind of the special teams guy, but he didn't have a ton of special teams experience. And I would imagine Lincoln was definitely of the idea of, I probably can figure this out. And so for Brent to bring in a guy that's completely dedicated to that area of the sport, uh, maybe what happened in the Green Bay Packers game last night doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we've we've been we've been complaining about special team stuff. I mean, it's like I mean, ever ever since um oh man, my brain is not working. Um South Carolina head coach. Beamer. Ever, yeah, ever since Beamer kind of left, it did seem like some of those details around the edges kind of started getting kind of soft and you stop stop losing things weren't quite directly in focus. And special teams is almost always the things that disappear. I mean, unless you have a head coach that came from special teams, which there's not many of them, you know, uh, Harbaugh up in Baltimore, I think it's one of the only ones that have gotten really high up and, you know, they've always kind of understand, Hey, that's very detour oriented. Uh, it's nice that you've got somebody, obviously he's not on field. Uh, is he allowed to be at, he's allowed to be at practices and stuff, right? The, that differentiation between on-field and off-field coach. Yeah. I believe so support staffers can't be actively coaching during practice, like on field, but they can like be at practice and be there for like charting and advising because like the old picture, everybody, this is how everybody kind of figured out the old picture of Mike Stoops on the sideline at Alabama. He's holding a clipboard and like charting plays or like writing down plays or like whatever, like that's the role that these guys are in. Okay. I mean, that's, but it's helpful. It's helpful. You have someone who's just dedicated to doing that i mean and i've got the uh, oklahoma football support staff in front of me it shows that they've got 17 at the moment that i'm seeing right here it may not be 100 up to date because i know it takes a while to get some stuff on the website it does seem like that is growing and it does seem like more is happening i plan on kind of going out through the years to see how many of OU have carried on because it just seems like OU is moving to more of that true sec style where they're carrying 30 support staff uh all told um but i mean this is it's all pretty interesting to see how all this shakes out i'm, I'm happy ou does have somebody really dedicated to special teams i mean that's that's it's 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 free it's free yards it's free yards it's it's free you can flip a field and, and i know keegan you're not 100 one of those guys but you know Punt the win sometimes. <laughs> you know, get the ball down no, we, there, hey, pin it down inside the five. We are celebrating good punts in 2022. We are yeah. celebrating good punt calls. And I've been trolled by that multiple times. But we are definitely celebrating. And I mentioned this, too, because, like, the two things that a lot of people don't mention from last night's Green Bay game is the two kickoff returns. One of them, the 49ers didn't score on, but they brought two kickoff returns out to the 40. And, again, that's just – you mentioned invisible yardage a second ago. Uh, take Oklahoma for this year. I mean, the special teams mistakes cost them. Iowa State hasn't had a special teams coordinator in four years. They may have won a Big 12 title at this point 
if they'd have yeah. a special teams coordinator. They may have played in a Big 12 championship game this year if they had a special teams coordinator. So it's important. It's a part of the game. I hate the games are changed on special teams, but if you're going to fail and uh, and you're not going to have a person that's dedicated to that or hire a guy that most of his time is spent at Citadel, kind of like Green Bay did. Uh, have you seen that, that special teams coordinator? He spent like six – his longest stint was at Citadel from like 2009 to 2015. I liked, I liked his guest coach in the, <laughs> in the CFL. Like they just brought him down for a weekend or something. It's, it, like, it literally says guest coach. <laughs> it's uh, kind of strange, kind of wild. I think maybe Lincoln uh, talked about the previous regime. Maybe there was like a bit of hu- hubris there thinking like, uh, what does fair catch it in the five? Doesn't matter. This, the offense, we can go score, you know, type of a thing. But you're just, you're putting, you're pinning yourself back for no reason. You know, you're putting yourself back. You're putting yourself in negative situations that you think your ego can overcome. So I'm, I'm happy to see this uh, kind of come out. And it may seem like a small thing, but another, another Oki coming home to roost at Oklahoma. So it's, uh, you know, five-star hearts uh, coaching staff. Love to see it. Yeah, and I've got the support staff pulled up from uh, from last season. I'm trying to one, two, three, four, five, and then they've got a handful more down here. Six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay. And then I just and then got it. And then they've got a part. ton more. And they've got a yeah. ton more from in the recruiting department. And like you said, yes, there, I'm sure yeah. it's not completely mentioned yet. Oklahoma, yeah, it's all we've got it down in a weird way. Like I'm looking where it just says football support staff, but that big, huge list of the Georgia one also had all the graphic design people. I didn't count those also had all the nutrition people. So, I mean, I'm assuming football probably has close to 50 or so people kind of dedicated to it, even though maybe their title doesn't say football support. Right. No, and I completely, completely agree with you. And, and like I said, I they're at 22 right now based off what we, that they have on there from just football mm-hmm. and strength. Um, that's not yeah. including creative department, administrative department. Um, and like I mentioned, I just got to 20. So they're already beyond what they were under Lincoln from football and strength alone, um, which is, again, that's list is only good. From what we understand, I think everybody's alluded to it. That list is only going to continue to go from a pay scale, from what I understand, between eighty-five dollars to $125,000. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense why some people want to go spend a year in Tuscaloosa and make six figures and uh, learn from Nick Saban. And if they have the resources to do it, uh, it, it's definitely something that I think you should take up on. The other name, James Dobson, was the former head strength coach who worked under Pelini at Nebraska and then was under Derek Mason. At Vanderbilt, is this where we go off topic and talk about Derek Mason? Holy shit, Mike. Well, uh, uh, I think it's a good hire. It's a good hire for most of you. I think he's not as good as the guy they just left, uh, in my opinion. Derek Mason obviously is a very, very good football coach. But I, I'm going to hold off in saying this is like program changing. We have to start looking at Oklahoma State in some different way. There's a dude who's trying to get off – the flaming bus he was on as fast as he could and Oklahoma state had a spot. I don't, I don't see him being there that long, but super credit Oklahoma state. If someone just leaves money on the ground, pick it up. <laughs> uh, and they, that's what they've done. In my opinion. It from losing Jim at a place like Oklahoma state, 
like you can lose a Mike Yersish and go Google mm-hmm. somebody at from somewhere in Princeton and bring him in and it works and you can have Casey done and they're obviously going through some really big growing pains from his side of the ball. But when you lose a guy like Jim Knowles at Oklahoma State, who put together the fourth best defense in SP Plus this year to replace him with Derek Mason's just, I am baffled, baffled at that, that that is the opportunity that they had fall in their lap. And credit to him and credit to uh, the coach's film show, as well as uh, OSU playing Stanford in 2011. I didn't realize Derek Mason was the DC um, of that team for Stanford when OSU played them in the Fiesta mm-hmm. Bowl in 2011. So, that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of connections um, between him and um, Mike Gundy. So credit to Oklahoma State. I uh, I don't think that changes my opinion much on who they're going to be next season. Uh, yeah. But definitely in terms of riding the ship and keeping things moving forward, good for them. Um, and we'll see what happens. James Dobson, I just mentioned a second ago, that's kind of the last guy to mention. Um, you don't probably don't need to spend a whole ton of time on him. But definitely, I think getting a guy with a ton of experience, Peyton, that's been in the strength conditioning, and he's also worked under some hard asses, which is what mm-hmm. I think Brent Venables – I mean, every time I see him, it just looks like he just had got done chewing someone's ass out. Like, that's how I – whenever I see Brent Venables, like, I'm not going to say he's got that resting bitch face that people talk – like, women about and this and that, but he certainly has that look of, don't piss me off or I'm going to fucking come after your neck. Yeah. But I want to say now called resting Brent face. Oh, that's a good one. There you go. That's a good one. They're good fix. I was gonna say we don't discriminate. The the face Matt was making right now was a resting bitch face. Totally. Uh, (laughs) Not just the ladies. The dude's gonna have that face too. There you go. There you go, Peyton. I want to. I want to jump on real quick about the strength and conditioning stuff. Do it. So. if this is just our public feed, we have, we don't, you know, join our Patreon, everything, Patreon, uh, support us for bringing you information. But also, I, I'm hearing stuff um, from some other Patreon stuff that I follow because it's what you do. You're trying to have as much information as possible. And I don't know how true this stuff is, but, you know, that this winter lifting session is more about creating your baselines. Who do I have to work with? What do I have to do? You know, where are we doing stuff? And then you start developing programs from, you know, from that point in time. Basically, you know, everyone's out there maxing out. They're running hot. They're running all out. We're getting our times down and stuff. And from what I'm understanding, what I'm hearing uh, in Matt's on the same Discord and stuff, I am as well on Patreon uh, over at Red Dirt Sport, is that uh, Jerry is Jerry Smith is not that enthused about the level of strength and speed that's on the football team um, at this point in time. So uh, I think there may be a bit of an uphill battle to kind of get to that level of standard that Schmitty wants to be at. Uh, and so keep looking at it, guys. I think they're going to be posting a whole bunch of uh, lifting weights content uh, over the summer. Can I play devil's advocate here? Yeah, go for it. I mean, I think it's I think it's like the whole what happens every time we got a new guy, we're flipping tires right. now. Everyone's super aggressive. Right. I get it. Yeah. Not to temper like excitement or anything, but I'm of, I was of the idea in 2018 that, that was also one of the reasons why people wanted Schmitty gone in. So yeah, we'll see. I'm very interested to see how these guys look because I, I mean, I think me Wiley accomplished what he was trying to accomplish. He just didn't create a physical football team, man. Those guys look good besides the offensive lineman. Everybody else looked pretty good um, on the football field, but that's not, mm-hmm. that's not the goal. The whole hundred percent main goal of strength and conditioning 
uh, as we've seen with Scott Cochran at Alabama uh, during his time there before he went to Georgia. We're seeing, you know, across the country, um, you know, the strength can, we say, everybody says it, it's super important. Trend conditioning, 75, 80% of your time as a football player spent with that guy. Um, and so he's got to be able to mold you into the football player you are. Texas A&M's had a lot of success over the last uh, mm-hmm. two to three years, specifically on the offensive and defensive lines, which I think that's what should get people excited is that if there is one area that I certainly believe was impacted by at least the approach um, that Benny Wiley had, it was along the fronts, uh, maybe not as much the defensive line as the offensive line. The offensive line is just, it's such a position that you've got to have, you got to be good laterally. You got to be good setting a base. You got to be good deep in your hips. You got to be great, strong lower half as well. And so I just don't think that we saw those things because there was not much drive on the offensive line like there was in 2018, uh, which is kind of the last team that Jerry Schmidt could really say that he had his hands a little bit a part of, of that 2018 offensive line group. So I'm very interested. Uh, I do believe probably a little bit more uh, discipline and a little bit more drill surgeon-y compared to what it was. Like, hey, don't move until I, until I whistle this. You better not move. And you better yeah. touch that line. If you don't touch that line, you're going to go back. We're going to restart this down at one. We're at 10. You got 20 of them. We're starting at one. I mean, that's how I feel like the, the main difference is going to be with these guys. And that's not just us saying it. And that's not like other bloggers or other sports journalists, you know, Big J and Little B and all that kind of stuff, all figuring that stuff out. That's the OU football players themselves <laughs> saying on Twitter being like, this is different. Like we're being held accountable. We're being pushed harder. You know, there's a different sort of culture that's happening. Um, you know, that, that's, that's firsthand from them that, you know, we're able to look at and see, I mean, follow, I mean, if you want to follow football players, don't tweet at them. That's weird behavior. Uh, unless it's like, Hey, good job. Uh, but you know, that's coming straight from them. I don't think that's uh, anything kind of crazy. Even the Prairie, was it podcast on the Prairie? Is that their podcast? I mean, sure, even they're talking about it. Yeah. Even they're talking about it. It's like, it's just a different thing, you know? So it, it's pretty cool to see that. I, I do think, um, generally I, I just finished watching some uh cheer on netflix and you hmm. you see these young men and women just need and slash like crave that structure that you know that attitude and that culture of like we're a team we're bonding together we're a family um you know we're putting that stuff together so it does seem like potentially that smitty and the coaching staff is that does seem like that's their number one goal right now is try to establish those bonds and don't don't cheer. Been, I saw that. I saw those smiles. That's a good show. I, I just, I've read about it. Obviously I don't watch uh, a ton of shows, <laughs> so uh, I've got no comment. Peyton, this is time. Obviously you did, you've interviewed Jeff Sharon. Yeah. Been at, he's been with UCF, worked with UCF, teaches a journalism class. I think still runs uh, the SB Nation UCF blog. Um, if mm-hmm. I remember all that correctly. Black and gold uh, you, banneret. There you go. And if you guys want to listen to that, you want to listen to all of our interviews that we have over the course of the offseason, which there will be plenty, and it will be a lot much more than last offseason. If you want those, you can go to patreon.com slash through the keyhole. We greatly, greatly appreciate you. Also, at this point in the show, I forgot to mention that you can also rate, review, subscribe, all that fun stuff on Spotify now, not just Apple. Um, whatever platform you on, we would greatly appreciate it. All right, future of Oklahoma football begins now for this podcast 2022 big weekend for them 
up in Norman at five visitors, Jamari and Burt, a corner from Akala, Florida, Grayson Halton, a, D, a defensive lineman from San Diego, Ahmad Moten, another defensive lineman from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, his teammate, or Mason Thomas from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and Gentry Williams uh, with a, I like the rule. New coaching staff comes in. You can take another official visit, um, different staff. Kind of like it. Um, here's my question to you. We understand Moten. We understand Thomas. We'll touch on Halton in just a second. Wouldn't Burt and Williams be connected? That's what I was of the opinion of. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at what's happening right now, I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, they're connected because they're both defensive backs, potentially both cornerbacks. Um, I, do, I do not think um, uh, you have him listed as corner right here. I don't think Gentry should be playing corner uh, potentially uh, at the next level. I, don't, I think there's a certain speed factor that's missing there. I think, he'd, I think he can grow into a really nice safety, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's got some size about him that I think can uh, translate pretty well. Uh, again, in my opinion, uh, Bert seems like, uh, what, uh, let me see if I can get this really cool thing. It's called a copy and paste. Um, so I can get some of his sizes and stuff. He looks a little, yeah, six one seventy five. He looks a little more straight cornerback-ish um, than Gingery, in my opinion. But if we've seen what OE's been doing, they took two one-year, potentially one-year starters <laughs> in, in, in transfer to play right now. You know, they, they, they've, they're taking guys in. That's probably the sell is, hey, we don't have a lot of established depth right now. I think uh, on one of the Monday posts, which you can read if you subscribe uh, for a Patreon, uh, I think OU has like 50, uh, 15 defensive backs, and I counted maybe three that I would want to trot, uh, you know, trot out there and feel comfortable about before they took the transfers. Uh, and those transfers probably got it closer to six, and you need five. Um that you feel comfortable with. Uh, so I, I don't think it's that big of a thing. I think what we're running into is just more of um, you just need numbers and you need to start because I, I do think there's going to be another wave of processing uh, transfers that happen after spring ball or during spring ball. Uh, and that will be like your normal non Lincoln Riley attached transfer stuff coming out is uh, what will be happening there. And Oh, uh, you just need to make sure the stock is full, you know, the cupboard's full with some uh, potential DB bodies. Absolutely. I just, I guess I'm of the idea of, yes, you have Robert Spears Jennings, Jaden Rowe. Um, you got those guys coming in. Kate, you just took Kenny Walker, who was supposed to be a corner. You read some Louisville message boards. People thought he would start at Louisville as a corner uh, the next season. Again, I just, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I would again. I would love to know the process of it. If Oklahoma would do a press conference with these guys, uh, they will on signing day, and I'm sure that question will be asked. Um, that's just me bitching about media, and even though I'm not in it anymore, probably should stop doing that. But I again, I just don't. I don't see the need, but I also don't understand how they view their current crop in their corner and safety room. I just, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different staff. They play a lot more man coverage. We broke this down. We're plugging to Patreon again. I did a great post on uh, Saturday morning, and I just openly gave my own post a great post. But walk you through all that. Brent's going to want a corner that can play man anytime he can. And, and to your point, Peyton, I think they got a little bit more than three, but I don't know if they have any that I trust on an island playing man coverage right now. 
any. And that includes Woody Washington. And it's not because Woody's not a good player. I just don't, in terms of turning and running, he just doesn't have those kinds of skills. His instincts usually kick in and he can, he knows how to take angles and knows this and knows that. So it's definitely interesting. All right, let's talk about Grayson Holton. So he's currently an Oregon commit, was committed Mm -hmm. to Mario Cristobal, Southern California kid. I, I think Oklahoma may have a shot here. Really? May, may, and I know a lot of buzz about Miami. There is a position at Oklahoma that doesn't have a play. And we've talked about this. Xavier Thomas from Clemson was their kind of weak side defensive end. And he was 6'3", 6'4", 270, Mm -hmm. 275 pounds. I've watched enough of Halton's tape, Peyton. Makes a lot of sense why Oklahoma's recruiting and selling him on that position. And Oklahoma does not have a guy that can do that right. You mentioned Ethan Downs last week as a potentially a guy that can do that. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's strong side, weak side, whatever it may be, he can kind of be that role player. Um, I think that's a good idea as well. But this guy seriously fits that to a T, and it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what Oklahoma's sell is. I don't know what the defense are going to run at Miami, but I Oklahoma's in this more than I thought they were. And that's coming from my end. And I don't have any recruiting insights very often these days. So I think that's very interesting. As well as you mentioned Kevontae Henry a couple weeks ago. It kind of seems like one of those things with him, from what I understand. I don't know if there's any other offers he has out there that's better than what Oklahoma is right now. That he wants. Okay. So, which is... Again, mentioning he was a Michigan commit, I believe, as well as getting recruited by USC. So just kind of take that uh, for what it's worth. So it's uh, it's certainly interesting. Uh, I didn't let you comment on that because I'm going to let you, I'm going to move forward and kind of group them all together here. Amon Moten in town, mm-hmm. big run plugging defensive lineman, and R. Mason Thomas. And I'm bringing them all together and throwing it over to you for comment because I think it's a foregone conclusion or it's a matter of time between Moten and Thomas flipped to Oklahoma. One of them, I believe, is committed to Iowa State right now, or Mason Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. There's some structure for you. Or Mason Thomas is a true edge rusher. Grayson Halton is kind of that strong side defensive end. And now you have a big run, plugging, nose tackle. I figured either the big-bodied, weak side defensive end or they would go to the edge rusher. But, man, they're kind of bringing in five different defensive line types, which I think is super, super intriguing. Yeah, you, you, and you can see some stuff running down the future. Uh, I've heard some some stuff where people are, were pretty happy, and they're pretty, there's, some, there's some positive buzz around the program about the Florida kids that came down over the weekend. Um, and we can read into that as we want to. But if you're going to tell me some – you know, if someone's committed to Iowa State or uh, has offers from Iowa State or heavily pursued by Iowa State to play defensive linemen, I'm, I'm kind of in on that to a certain degree. You know, I think you mentioned, you know, Boston College is one of your schools. Um, hey, they've, they've got an offer for a defensive back. That's cool. They're in they're in they're in the plus category for me. Just that type of thing. Uh, if I if I'm remembering that right. So right. I, I'm pretty excited about about Moten the most because like you said oh you need he needs a big fat boy to sit down uh and, and kind of maintain some of those internal blocks and kind of keep the running game from just like killing OU. OU is going to be able to generate a pass rush they've been able to do that and uh Brent will be able to generate a pass rush pretty easily um but it's rough if 
you can give up six, you know, five to six yards up the middle over and over and over again. So, oh, you need someone to sit down there and, and kind of be a big boy. And it needs, it'd be really nice if it's a high school kid finally, instead of always living off of Juco after Juco after Juco to kind of fill that spot up. Um, so I'm excited about that. The R. Mason Thomas thing that makes me excited is that it shows a potential pattern of behavior for the staff that the staff is going to be, now they've already offered this next kid I'm talking about, that um, they're going to be kind of after, uh, is it is it Bay or Ba, Joby, the Oklahoma kid? Bye, bye. Bye? I mean, bye similar, type of, similar type of build, similar type of measurements, similar type of height and weight and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't seen either of them run in person or move in person. I think you've talked about Bai being a little kind of like tightly wound to a certain degree, maybe not be as loose as he needs to be. But you can kind of see there does seem to be a body type if, you know, the OU staff's really after Thomas, that Joby would be someone they'd be really after as well. And maybe they are moving more into that that LSU defensive end type that back in the day where a little bit longer and leaner um, and someone who's just like got length in their jobs to get to the quarterback. And they've got someone on the backside behind him kind of helping set the edge. So uh, it's, it's interesting. It does, it does. It is interesting. And maybe it's just, Oh, you really want to be as flexible as they possibly can on the defensive side of things. We're also nerds and looking to everything that this coaching staff is going to do, at least for the first six months. So uh, we could be looking into something that may not be there anyways. Yeah, sure. uh, but definitely, I, I, I think it's just so – because I was of – you're going to the SEC. The SEC is either raid or pro-style offense at this point. And you kind of can just run it back with what you did at Clemson a little bit from a strategy structure perspective. So it'll be interesting. The R. Mason Thomas, like you, we've mentioned – that's going to be a, a nice test case first couple years, see where he lines up and see where he plays mm-hmm. uh, alongside a guy like Clayton Smith. Where Clayton Smith plays this year is going to be very, very important because either that position is going to be a position in Oklahoma or it's not anymore. And so I'm certainly interested to see how that plays out. All right, let's get to 2023. We mentioned right when after Jay Valai was hired on our Patreon page, Peyton, that there was four or four or five recruits that the staff immediately had to hit up, immediately had to go get because they had a chance to go get them. Uh, one of them, everybody knows, number one recruit in the country, Levius Overton. Oklahoma ties. Father played at OU in the 90s. Uh, Todd Bates, I think that, would, uh, that, that should go fairly well for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy out of Georgia. David Hicks. Defensive lineman from Allen was also on my list. Javian Toviano at corner uh, from Arlington Martin, where Braden Willis is from, a five-star corner. He was in Texas this weekend. Don't know if he'll be in Norman for the junior day this upcoming weekend, Peyton. Uh, But the final one, and maybe the best one of the bunch, and I can't believe I'm saying this about a linebacker, but Anthony Hill from Denton Ryan. Those were our four mentions. I think we may have had a fifth there as well. Oklahoma had been by to see Jalen Hale. I agree. We did a podcast. We discussed it. Southeast recruiting. They're offering kids from everywhere down there, this and that. Was that all a joke? No, I'm kidding. Not all a joke. I'm joking when I say that. Because now, Peyton, I'm using 24-7 sports here because Rivals Mm -hmm. is never good up until the final, like, rankings are done. Yeah. They have now seen nine, and this is it. We haven't seen anything from JV and Toviano yet that Oklahoma has been in contact with them. 
Peyton, nine of the top 14 players in the state of Texas have been hit up by Oklahoma in the, in the first 10 days. What, what you're seeing is, and this, this also adds into that, the SEC area of recruiting grounds. One, you have to recruit those grounds because you're moving to that area. It just makes sense. You're playing those schools. You're going to be, you know, some of the stuff that you can, some of the negatives you could sell in OE was, you know, you're bringing some kid from Georgia, you're checking out Oklahoma. It's hard to get out there. Yada, 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 yada. Now you're playing in those things. It's easier for a family to see, see them play and stuff. Um, but they're rectifying that mistake. They're getting to SEC country. They're recruiting those kids. And, and, and to a certain degree, they're built different. I mean, I know, I mean, hashtag built different, you know I mean? Some, to a certain degree, they're just, they are, I mean, there's just, I don't know if it's like a psychological thing or if it's like a an environmental thing, but you know, there, there's a, there's a level of, I'm trying to say this, so I don't get like canceled or something. There's a, there's like a level of like hard, I mean, hardness. There's like a scrappiness. Sure. You have to survive. You have, this is my way out of a bad situation. Potentially, you know, this is it, you know, and I think Oklahomans can relate to that a lot too. I mean, especially where I'm from Southeast Oklahoma, uh, which I find I got into the podcast as I was doing all of them. Um, you know, there's the idea of like, Hey, if you're going to make it, you've, you've got to make it, you know, uh, there was some stuff here. It was like, Hey, if you can make it in Hugo, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, that type of a feeling about it. And I think it's really important that, OU kind of keeps going in there and kind of tying that in. It's the same thing happening right now in the Dallas area and the Texas area. They're rectifying sins of the past uh, regime. I mean, this, this class they have signed right now, one player of the Texas top 25, according to 24 seven is commit to OU. That's ridiculous. That should never happen. That is embarrassing for Lincoln Riley and all this amazing recruiting acumen to be able to, that that's what OU was left with at that point in time, that they, they just kept looking westward um, for all of their skill talent. You cannot abandon Texas at all in any shape and form to be the University of Oklahoma and want to win national championships. I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, you need to be carrying a ton of Texas talent because it's right there. It's easier to get to. It's easier to get them to, you know, come up I-35 or however they want to drive up there. Um, you've got to get these kids. And it does seem like Brent is going all in on the areas he needs to be into and going into all your future areas. So, I mean, I, I'm excited for it. But, I mean, it just really shows just to start that the past coaching staff may have just been checked out way, way beforehand. <laughs> for sure. I just – I think it's so – it's just so funny. Like they, you know, they put the focus on offering all those, all the kids from the Southeast. And like you said, like there's probably some 3d chess being played with that of, Oh, maybe we need to start looking at those schools and see what other kids are in the 2024 and 2025 classes. Uh, and it's more, it's more about building towards the future while, Oh, hello, the state of Texas in Oklahoma are deep in 2023. And you could, I mean, in theory in one year, and I'm not, I don't say this very often, like the guys that I just mentioned, especially Hicks or uh, not Hicks. Uh, oh, the linebacker from uh, Denton Ryan Hill. I haven't pulled him. Yeah. Hill, uh, Anthony Hill. Like if he went to Alabama or Georgia next year as a high school senior, he would probably play. Like once you see this guy run and move at his size, Peyton, you're going to be like, Oh, what the hell? Like, I, I don't know if I remember a guy from the state of Texas, a linebacker, um that like Harold Perkins was really athletic last year I think the kid that's going to Texas A&M super athletic 
uh, going to be a great will linebacker, but like Andy Hill's a Mike and runs you down. Like he's an outside backer. He it's, it's amazing. Um, it's not Kobe McKenzie, big size, like 250. It's mm-hmm. like 230, 240 and can run. Um, so I'm very, very intrigued to see how that all plays out. I would imagine with Javali, a DFW guy, knows a lot of people there, very connected. I would imagine JV and Toviano. I know there's been no co- comments about him making it up to Norman this weekend. And he hasn't said anything publicly about OU talking to him quite yet. But OU had a major lead before the old staff uh, moved on. And I would imagine this new staff – considering the fact of the style that their secondary is about to be playing fits him very, very well. So um, in, in kind of the same conversation, just to kind of mention all the kids from Texas, Oklahoma now with none of the five-star receivers committed, Peyton. Hello, Jalen Hale. Welcome back to the conversation from Longview. One of my favorite players in the 2023 class. Have you watched any of his wide receiver tape? Not a single second. You're going to have to, you know, speak sweetly to my ear about him um six two and a half six three 40 plus inch vert probably a sub four five forty basketball player very smooth in and out of his routes who do you comp him to and i know that's horrible everyone hates comping people yeah wait a little bit early um i mean there is a lot of the lsu receivers in him Long not view. like Jamar Chase. You said Longview? Basketball yes. player? Longview, Texas. Malcolm yes. Kelly. That works out. That worked out once before for you. Just saying. It did. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Kale Gundy was by there last week, by the way. Makes a lot of sense. Um, that that is a Kale Gundy probably recruited guy. And Ennis mm-hmm. and the other two uh were certainly definitely Dennis Simmons and Lincoln Riley guys. So I, again, I know it's early. You've got a couple more weeks. You've got a Jackson Dart decision coming up. You've got, you know, 2022 class to finish up, but we've talked about this Oklahoma. If they, if, you know, we mentioned this, the three things Oklahoma is going to need to either win a national championship. They're going to have the talent of Alabama and Georgia. They're going to have to have that or an elite quarterback or a great defense. And you can only have two probably of those three things, um, so landing a top five class over the next three years is going to be super, super important for Oklahoma, especially as they head in to the SEC. And I'm going to pull it up one last time and go through these names from the state of Texas. Um, the Texas kids I already mentioned a few of them. David Hicks, number one recruit in the state of Texas for 24 seven. This is in order. Anthony Hill, JV and Toviano, Jalen Hale. They were by to see Jaquay's Petaway in Houston last week. Malik Muhammad corner from Dallas, Texas. Um, Peyton Bowen, they've been in contact with from Den Geyer, the Notre Dame commit. Jordan Renault is his last name. Okay. Spelled differently. Insider knowledge? Oh, okay. Spelled differently. Spelled differently. Um, from Tyler Legacy. And then Den Geyer's, another one from there. Jackson Arnold, the quarterback. I do have a comp. I'm, it, quarterbacks are a little bit easier at this age than other positions to make comps and this and that. He's got a little Stafford okay. to his game. Okay, so he throws the, the ball really far downfield in hopes. And he's got a lot. And then the Rashada, <laughs> the other quarterback that they're recruiting from Pittsburgh, California. I don't, maybe his first name is Jaden. A little bit of Winston to his game. I don't know about Arch Manning. I don't have a good thing for him. Don't have. 
I think Malachi Nelson is by far the best quarterback in this class. He's obviously, I won't mention that name, but very often mm-hmm. or much more on this podcast. Um, but I like the Jackson Arnold kid a lot. And okay. Chisholm Holland ribbed me pretty good. I will say this. I texted that to Eddie last Monday. I was like, he got back from his visit. I was like, I heard some good buzz. He starts getting crystal balls. And then I started watching some tape. I really like the kid. And I know a lot of people in the state of Texas that are huge fans of Jackson Arnold think that he's as good of a player as Quinn Ewers, as good of a player as some of the top quarterbacks that came out of Texas over the past couple of years. They think he's as good as him. Uh, certainly think that he's better than Nick Evers, which is goes back to some of our original um, conversations. So anyways, that's the 2023. That's the future. Matt, get in here. How the hell do you turn the ball over 25 times in a basketball game? Oh, just combo of playing bad and Baylor's really good. The Baylor is that good. I mean, they're that good, man. That dude in Kansas, man, like those, those two really good teams, man. It's tough. I, I know it sucks in the moment losing to Kansas. You're like, ah, you know, should have won that. Let it, and, and you probably did, probably should have won it. But man, that is, that's just a tough team. I love, I love Kansas's big guy, the McCormick kid. Mm-hmm. He's so much fun to watch because he's probably the best big man. <laughs> like he's the best big man, at least one of them that OU is going to play. And uh, it just, this is real basketball nerd, nerdish from me. Nerd out, nerd but out. Every time he catches it, right. Uh, most post guys, their first move is to try to back a guy down or see how they can score. Every time he catches it, he's looking who's open to pass. And that's just like a basketball nerd thing in me. Like when like one of the best players on the floor and he, he probably could just duck his shoulder and go and, you know, shoot a layup or dunk it or whatever. But his first look is who's open. And I thought, I mean, there were a couple of times where, you know, OU's trying to double him. He passes out of it. They get a wide open shot. And I don't know, it was just real basketball nerdish of me, but I was, I, I love watching the McCormick kid play for Kansas. Um, and then Baylor, man. Matt Meyer needs to start getting some some of the respect that he deserves. That kid, that kid can what play. Do you mean? Except he's, for he's he needs high yeah, except for he need Tanner Groves in the face. But uh, the dude can play. On Saturday night, it's not Saturday at two o'clock. I know, I know. But the dude can play, man. The dude can straight fill it up. Uh, and then also Flo Thamba is one of the best names I've ever heard. Um, one of the best way, names. from from Baylor. So uh, by the time the NCAA tournament comes around flow Thamba is going to be in the starting five of best names. Oklahoma on a four game losing streak boys. If they don't win Wednesday in Morgantown or next Monday against TCU, I don't know if they're going to be winning a game in the next month or so. They're 12 and seven had high hopes look great. And uh, the Loyola offense of the past, I'm kidding. I think Loyola's team could score on this OU basketball team. Um, like it's just, it was so much more efficient. They don't turn the ball over. They didn't take bad shots. Uh, they were a much more efficient, much more disciplined offense. Is that, and Matt, obviously college, the big 12 is a defensive league. I think I saw nine of the 10 teams are under in the top 40 in defense on Ken Palm adjusted yeah. defense. I mean, it's a bonkers league, but I and right man, now, right now, nine of the ten teams that are eligible, obviously not Oklahoma State, they're all projected to get in the tournament. Yeah, Oklahoma is sitting at twelve and seven. They're only need to sneak a couple wins here. The, a win Wednesday with West Virginia would go a long t- go a long way. You know, in theory, they could win their three of their next four, or they could go zero and four. 
right? Like there's that's just the big. There's 12, no telling yeah. what. Yeah, and that's the Big Twelve. That's this Oklahoma team. I'll say this, and I'll. I'm paying. I know you watched a little bit of it. Ask. Leave it to both of you guys here. I'll go to Matt first. They get a ton of open shots on offense. The offensive structure, the defense, you the foundation that's being set, not to go whole moral season 21st year under Coach Moser year zero crap, but there are three guys coming in in the recruiting class for Oklahoma that are really good, really, really good. And if they don't make the tournament, which that's a staple for Oklahoma basketball, at least give the OU football fans something to cheer about in March before softball season starts. I like where they're going. You agree with that, Matt? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the the two basketball coaches that Joe C hired, absolute home runs, absolute home runs. I mean, a sixty-one point perform- performance from uh, the girl from K State doesn't uh, take away from the great job that Bronchek has done this season. But for Porter Moser, I, I was I was in disbelief. Like I could not believe that they hired him. I could not believe it. It just it did not seem realistic that that would happen. If he like with the reports that he turned down Indiana and turned down mm-hmm. all these other jobs, and then turn around and hire him because man, I loved watching Loyola play in the tournament, man, because they just suffocate you on defense. Um, and once he starts getting and like people need to put put this into perspective too that like what four guys from last year's team are on this team, the rest are transfers or freshmen. So putting all that together and then having this sort of early success, especially non-conference success. And then now, I mean, you're just going through the effing gauntlet, basically. Um, That is the Big 12. I mean, this is – I don't see how you could not be excited for the future of OU basketball. Because, I mean – and not to mention, people's main gripe with Lon Kruger was that maybe, like, you know, he wasn't as bought in – or not not bought in, but – not as energetic, enthusiastic about it. Maybe he, he was checked out a, a few years too early. Um, that's uh, Porter Moses is the exact opposite. Dude, that dude is all energy all the time. He is electric. Um, and I, he's just an easy person to get behind, you know, as a fan. That's, that's who you want uh, kind of leading your basketball team uh, into the future. And like you mentioned, the, the three guys they got coming in can all play. The kid from Germany, uh, the Schroeder kid, he looks – really effing good uh, and i'm excited for him i am too benji schroeder i think is his name um but man i uh as far as this year going forward I, I do still think they'll get in the tournament now obviously like you said they're gonna have to win a few of these um which i think they can uh minus auburn i don't think they can beat auburn uh they're a damn freight train right now um but now going forward man OU OU's in the best position that they could have hoped for Peyton, you've watched much of uh, OU hoops. Uh, I have not. I have not. There's a, a limitation of not having ESPN or not having just like your basic cable stuff. So haven't been able to keep up to it. Try to watch some highlights when I can. Uh, I usually watch via Twitter. There's a quote marks there. Watch via Twitter when there's a big game on or something like that, or keep the, the game cast on. But um, the, the only thing that I would love to be able to see a little bit more from what I see is um, yes, it is, it's nice to watch the ball whip around. Um, it's, 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 and you know, oh, this has been much better than what we had under lawn to a certain degree. Um, 
and Matt, you just said you don't like this. Or you like the idea of a, the guy down low being able to get the ball and like think immediately like a dream right. on maybe kind of move it around, you know, but my, my all-time favorite player is Tim Duncan. So oh, yeah. it'd be cool if a dude got the ball in the post and scored, you know, every once in a while, like stop the bleeding. Let's just get a score, you know, because uh, the team does seem to be able to go on droughts and stuff every once in a while while the ball's moving around it's just not getting into the hoop and you need someone who can just get close to the basket and, you know, just drop it in like a quick bunny, just to kind of get a point on, you know, stop, you know, stop a run or something like that. Uh, that to me, that seems to be the only thing this team uh, is truly missing uh, yeah. to be much more competitive overall. Yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't have a guy that's going to go get you a bucket. Like they don't have a go-to guy. I mean, Tanner Groves is their leading scorer, but he's not a yeah. guy that you're like, Hey, we're going to give it to you at the top of the key and set a screen for you. Yeah, and, spread out. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not that guy. So, uh, I mean, and they they can win. They can win games, and they can win a tournament game or two by playing good team basketball. Just getting open shots, getting everyone open, getting everyone involved. But I mean, there's there's a definite ceiling on your team, especially in college basketball. If you don't have a guy that can go get you a bucket whenever you know things go into a lull offensively for you. Yeah, Cameron Crutwood graduated. He no longer has any eligibility. He's in the uh, G League. So, uh, Porter, you're going to have to go find a guy, Benji or Benny Schroeder, whichever it may be. Very excited. Very, very, very excited, as well as uh, the – is it Uzan Milos or whichever one back and forth? And they also have another guard that's really explosive as well. So, very much looking forward to that. Last college basketball thing. Is Chris Beard on the hot seat? Have you guys seen some of the ta- – like, one of my favorite follower- followers on Twitter, don't get me wrong, bitter white guy, the Texas basketball fan. I think he's in Red Dirt Sports Discord in the college basketball. Fantastic. Love him. Uh, I think he's – but I'm not saying he's crazy or anything, and I don't think he's wrong because he's been saying it from the get-go. And him and I actually had the conversation over the summer of we both had the idea – like Chris Beard thinking that he was just going to pick up and what he did in Lubbock just because he gets more talent, it was going to work. It never was. Um, and to your point, Peyton, there's at some point someone's got to take and be like, hey, I'm taking the shot. And they got they got Marcus Carr, who's extremely, extremely talented. And he's even – like Chris Beard's even broke him. Like Marcus Carr does not look to score. And that's what he came to Texas to do. Matt, have you watched Texas offense? No, I have not watched – the, uh, oh, so I'm the only one Texas game. I'm the only one that's had to suffer yes, through a Texas so. basketball. Absolutely. Game. There you go. There you go. I have the I have that weird uh that Texas had. If I can get this back- background off <laughs> yeah, right. somewhere, but uh <laughs> no NFL playoffs are on, boys. Uh, Kansas City Buffalo. Josh Allen just threw a ball, I think, 150 yards in the air, somewhere along those lines. Sounds about right. 23-21. Think it's pretty cool. With uh, the Rams winning, and Oklahoma players guaranteed to win the Super Bowl, at least one. Yeah, that is super cool. I mean, uh, it, it's something that OU can talk about in the recruiting trail right now. I mean, every team in the championship games will be will have an Oklahoma Sooner, then an Oklahoma Sooner isn't guaranteed uh, to win it. I mean, uh, who are you guys pulling for out of the remaining out of the remaining teams? Cincy. 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 Yeah, you I don't have Joe to ask me that question. Love Joe Burrow, man. Uh, it, it's just from an OU perspective, I guess. Well, uh, I, I think I would. I, I think I would cheer for the 49ers of the remaining teams. I like that style of football to a certain degree. Uh, it'd be nice if they had a quarterback that was worth a damn. But 
I do like the little um, brute forces and um, yeah, hey, you, you, they just went out and beat a team that everyone thought was going to score a million points on them and everything. So I kind of like that attitude. It'd be cool to see Blake Bell, James Winchester get another one. Um, but the different Broncos side of me, yeah, it says doesn't, yeah. doesn't really like the Chiefs. It's <laughs> kind of stacking them up like that. So, um, best of luck for Blake Bell and James Winchester. Those are those are two cool dudes. James for sure. I've had I've talked to him. I've done some interviews on him. He's a, he's a super cool guy. Uh, his story, but you know, quitting football, working in an oil field and stuff for a while, trying to support his family before uh, he was able to get on. Uh, I think he got on at the Eagles as their long snapper, and then follow. I was able to follow Reed over to the uh, the chiefs if i have that timeline right but i mean it's a super cool story uh his story trying to you know finding that niche spot and now he has a career that's super cool keegan keegan speaking of the niners how much did you love them sending trip williams uh in motion that was pretty cool (laughs) that was in and they ran it they did like split zone or whatever i thought that was very very smart and man i mean that's the game if you want to point to and i know brady took exception to the iowa comment but that it is it is absolutely un i mean literally the packers there were five plays that if they just do what they're supposed to do they mm-hmm. they have at least one pick six that they pick off one of those three passes in the second half they have a punt that gets blocked that gets returned for a touchdown and a field goal before halftime that gets blocked like literally if one of those things goes their way like they find a way to win but that's why the game is played uh and that's why we love it i mean it was worth, I, as Peyton has noticed, I have completely pulled out of any, any conversation of toxic that could be toxic. Um, and I saw your eyes and the reason why I did that. I saw that. Um, I under, I've tried to avoid as much toxicity as possible on my timeline. Good song. The Rogers, the Rogers jokes was, were pretty good last night. Oh, the throw Rogan was the best. That was so, and I, I kept retweeting because they're just too damn funny. And I was like, I'm probably just bleeding followers by retweeting <laughs> this stuff out. But it's uh, it's pretty funny. Um, I'm gonna do a little side note here. Best NFL career from an OU football player to me right now. It's in between Adrian Peterson and Trent Williams. Where do you guys think that's gonna land up at the end of all this? Mark Andrews over time is going to continue to get slept on. He's having a historic start to his career as a tight end. Um, yeah. Creed Humphrey's got a good start. Creed Humphrey's Creed does, got a good yeah. start. And he's on I a mean, good team if he wants to add Super Bowls. Like, he's on he's on the team. <laughs> he's on the good sure. team to do it. Yeah, he's going to be around for forever, especially in Kansas City. I mean, Trent Williams has been the most dominant tackle in football. I mean, he could have been the best player in football this year. It's been that way since he left Oklahoma. Um, so, I mean, he had the, obviously the cancerous, you know, piece on his head that had to get mm-hmm. removed in Washington, the whole thing there, you know, lost a couple years of playing, but he's been dominant since he's been in San Fran. I mean, I'd have to think back. Like I obviously mine's are going to be a lot more recent and I know a lot more about Oklahoma football history, like college related. I don't yeah. remember how a lot of those guys did in the NFL, but I think a lot of the older crowd would remind us how good Leroy was in the NFL yeah, as so well I mean, as he yeah, was in college. Yeah. Um, I can't think of Roy Williams is up there. Um, he was up there until he wasn't. I well, mean, yeah, they just, they, his, they his took away his main strange. tackling tactic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I am of the belief I will never see another Adrian Peterson again in my life. No. 
And so with that being said, I would probably lean on him um, because like, I mean, the story of him going to the combine and his agents not telling him to run and he didn't have cleats to run the combine in and he goes and runs like a four, 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 whatever it was. It's just stupid. Like dot training, because like we got a great insight into it from when Baker went through the process of like, there's all these things that these trainers do to be able to increase their time or how how tall they are, how much they weigh, what their arms, you know, what their wingspan is like this and that, like you can almost increase a 40 by like a 10th of a second. And so the fact that he didn't go and do anything and didn't train for the 40, didn't do this, didn't do that. And he goes out and runs what he did is just bonkers to me. But uh, the other name that's going to be on this list over time, he did play well yesterday, but that's also because Cincinnati's offensive line is terrible, Peyton. Joe Mixon may be one of the most paid running backs ever in NFL history when it's said and done. Highest paid running backs in NFL history when it's all said and done. He's going to get a major contract after this one. Really? You think so? You think after the league watched the Dallas Cowboys give Zeke that much money, that everyone's going to do the exact same thing. But Zeke, Zeke again's value isn't in the passing game. That's where Mixon is so valuable. It's just, and if, and Cincinnati having Joe and a, and a rook, I mean, Joe, Joe Mixon's got a couple more contract, a couple more years mm-hmm. before his extension yeah. comes up. They'll have to pay Burrow before they pay, before they pay Joe again. But again, I just, he could take less money and stay in Cincinnati for probably forever if you yeah. wanted to, but there's going to be a team out there that's desperate for a guy like him. That's going to pay him a big dollar in terms of like, you know, win probability, like how much he shares in that, mm-hmm. you know, he's on that short list of running backs that running backs do matter. Like yeah. he's on that short list of ones that do, yeah. at least from everything that I've seen yeah. from what he adds in the past game. Um, now Cincinnati didn't utilize him in that way this year for some reason, but as much as they did, that also could be because their offensive line was freaking terrible. Um, but it's, it's fascinating. also they had, you know, that what Jamar Chase. I mean, why are you throwing it to a running back? As good as Mixon is, <laughs> why would you throw it to a running back when you got that guy? I mean, think about <laughs> think about Cincinnati's roster in the future. They've still got that reader guy at defensive tackle who okay. I said to you guys yesterday, um, because I think it's important. He was six, two and a half, three twenty-seven coming out of Clemson, played for uh, Brent Venables down there in the southeast part of the country. They got him, they got Bates around for forever uh he's really really good but look at their skill players boyd's a little bit older but they've got higgins and chase and cj uzamoa who's been around for forever mixon um they are loaded and joe's got three more years i think on his rookie deal yeah they're gonna be a problem in the future Joe and Mixon, i think i think they have the most or most are like second most cap space to play with this yeah. this summer so they're they're about to go all in with joe burrow still on that rookie deal cincinnati unfortunately has the least amount of an, uh, analytic analyst in their organization so we'll see if they use that cap space appropriately or completely screw it up and uh don't win a super bowl and joe burrow under his rookie contract but boys we miss anything no, I think we're good to go. I, I, it's everything I want to talk about. Matt, we miss uh, we miss anything. Same, important? except I'll throw in another player, Tressway. Punters are people uh, that's too. That's a good point. Punters are people oh, too. That's a good point. True. Yeah, for sure. Hall of Famer right there, <laughs> Tressway. So there you go. That's through the keyhole. That's Peyton. That, that was Matt. 
We're also joined by Peyton, oh, as always. And if you guys have got to this point in the show, we'd love to have you keep, stay around for a while, keep you around. You can help us out and join us at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Get interviews, get film reviews. Uh, we're about to get deep. If the ACC will figure it out and release their schedules this week, we can get started on 2022 completely. That would be fantastic. Uh, and then you can also subscribe to this podcast, give us a rating, review it, Spotify, Apple, whatever platform you want. Peyton, I'm talking too long. Get us out of here. And Boomer. Boomer.